The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear a brilliant marketer talk through the strategy, framework, and tactics used to elevate their brands to new heights. Ready to hear untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the Rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right, Rebrand, we're about to start. As you all know, we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns by the marketers who build them. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. Today, we're going to hear something really fun. Joining us is Hamish Campbell, who is the VP Executive Creative Director at Pearl Fisher, which is a future-focused strategic design agency. They create more describable ideas for the future. What they say is we design for life. And I see a little register there, which is cool. The agency creates brands as living, breathing exercises from powerful identities to multi-central worlds. From their connected studios in London, New York, they form partnerships with all of their clients around the world through unique and connected areas of expertise, future strategies, design, and realization. All right, we got Hamish on and a total marketing guy, and I'm going to geek out on some beloved brands from my childhood, and it's now second generation, my kid's childhood. Here's my conversation with Hamish Campbell, the VP, Executive Creative Director at Pearl Fisher. What's up, bro? Hey, good to see you, man. All right, I'd love to hear your background just quickly. Obviously, you're an agency guy and you know work for a, a very impressive global agency, especially specialized in, it sounds like, design and all some other cool shit I said in there. I don't know. Sounds, sounds awesome. <laughs> but we you know, love to hear, you know, your creative journey through the industry. Yeah. So I've been playing industry nearly on 20 years now. And those who don't know me, you can probably hear my accent. I'm not originally from New York. It's from the small little town of London back in the UK, where I actually kind of started out not knowing too much about design. I actually studied maths and physics, which people don't know about me. I went into engineering and it was only when i started doing those courses i realized this was not for me but i love drawing <laughs> with inside that so i dabbled a bit with maybe trying to do architecture but I realized that was a really long course and had a professor introduced me to design and fell in love with it there where I really cut my teeth in screen printing and letterpress and you know really kind of analog is the sort of stuff I, I really love and got into the mix with some friends who were in the music industry and started making music videos. I'd animate for them. I'd do identities, record labels, anything I could kind of get my hands on and sort of working long hours and realizing not really making much money, but loved what I was doing. That's why we all got into this, I think. But they sort of then the realization, realization of how the proper freelance work was pretty nice. You know, some of my friends in music video, you know, back in the days was sort of when everything was MTV and VHA1. And, you know, you're making all these videos, they just don't really exist anymore, but they'd actually make most of their income off campaigns for commercials and so forth. So, so a lot of them were working with Nike. I got involved with some of their works and their campaigns. They liked what I was drawing and, and doing and introduced me to some, my first agency, Tango. And 
they're like, do you want a job? And I was like, actually, that sounds nice to get regular pay for once instead of chasing it and finding work. And that's who took me through into Identico, who purchased Tango years ago. It was Michael Peters. You might know him from the 80s, 90s, had Michael Peters in the States. It was a pretty huge organization and he came back to the UK and, you know, felt blessed to learn from one of the greats in our industry. And he told me to design, you know, went through into working for Mary Lewis, another sort of amazing female lead in industry who's done some incredible stuff and really learned how to craft and work on humanization and, you know, how do we really get that sort of desire into brands. And then I was lucky enough for Paul Fisher then to come and chat to me and sort of say, hey, do you want to come and join our outfit and lead the US arm? And been here 11 years now, working with an incredible team I have here, doing some amazing brands. And were those publicly traded companies? Were those part of any holding companies that like WPP or any of that? No, all independent? Yeah, all, all independent. I've always preferred working for independent agencies. I was there when Identico got purchased by Cassette many years ago now. And I feel, you know, I have nothing against them, but the sort of culture changes, you know, it's when you have independent owners, you can really double down on creativity and that sort of focus with inside that. You're not actually up to shareholders. So nothing against the holding companies, but I was very independent. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm also a fan of independence, but there's some great agency and holding companies too. But, you know, off top, we'll get into the fruit by the foot and the gushers and all that. I can't wait to dive into that. But just we have a lot of the marketing directors and VP and CMOs on this show and a lot, a lot of founders of different marketing service companies. I, I love having creatives on. And I'd love to know from your point of view, what makes a great creative director? It was a great question. I mean, I've had good creative directors in, in the past, I think. They're ones who, who trust their team. You know, there's no point just having a team of designers and you dictate to them. You want them to bring fresh thinking. I've always told everyone in my team to trust your gut, get away from computers, all that kind of stuff. And I've always loved it when they've had an intern where I'll be on the board and reviewing work and they disagree with me. You know, so if I want that fire in someone's belly, that passion, and we can have that discussion because I might drive the creativity, but I've got my a head of strategy, I've got my head of realization or sustainability. It takes many minds sort of coming together to get that end result. And I think good creative directors sort of very collaborative and they bring people in with inside that. I might not spend the most time on these projects when my team are spending eight hours a day working and thinking about it. So I need to trust their sort of genius for the inside that and help guide them to sort of see that as a role of using my expertise to guide them to find the right answers or or challenge them in what they're thinking and how we can push it to the next level. Can you do your job in today's environment remotely as a great creative director and getting great work from teams? Or do you think there's a hybrid approach? I, I just saw an article today from Entrepreneur Magazine that said that Zoom has told all employees to get your ass back to work, which I was like, holy shit, you're freaking Zoom. That's That seems <laughs> weird. So I, I definitely had a, a little bit of a point of view on that. Just as background, I, I think we have about 175 people, majority creatives. And I don't know what the answer is, but I'd be curious your take being in London and New York. Yeah, I think it's something we're having to relearn. Mid the pandemic, when it was all going on and everyone's from home, I think there was endless challenges, but we embrace technologies like Miro and Zoom and you find ways. I do think a, a more hybrid approach is actually coming out really nicely with inside that. Yeah, at Pearl Fisher, we only ask people to come in two days a week. You can pick whichever days you want. And we see sort of separate project teams or design teams or financial teams, they sort of all come in on certain days to have that collaboration because they, incredible you do need it but also sometimes you need your head down and, and sort of focus with inside that so it's getting that balance and i think where i was always keen to have sort of people come in it was particularly for more junior members you know you learn from more sitting next to a more senior person with inside that and 
where you might think you're being efficient, being at home doing work, but you're spending eight hours doing the wrong thing. That's that's not efficient. So yeah. using those experience minds around you, and that's how I learned. I sat next to someone who had 40 years of experience, and I think that's a key to get that balance of the younger generation speaking to the older ones, but also then having the flexibility when I want to focus and get my head down in an idea, but then we'll regroup on the next one or something like that. Yeah. So I think finding that hybrid is probably the way forward. I couldn't agree with you more, like absolutely spot on with my thought We're you know, hybrid approach a couple of days a week. We encourage kind of, you know, Tuesday through Thursday, kind of be seen a little bit and get some connectivity. There's certainly specialists and people that are just going to be remote only. And that's fine. That's, that's their gig. They come in, they, they do what they need to do. And, and the, the new younger members coming up and just all points. And I'm hearing that from a lot of agencies. So I know a lot of people ask me that. And I saw that entrepreneur article. I was like, holy shit, that kind of surprised me. All right, let's get into the campaign world. Talk to me about General Mills and Gushers. Freaking who doesn't love Gushers and Fruit by the Foot? Like, break this campaign down. How did you guys do it? What did you guys do? Talk to our audience and maybe what was some of the human truths or insights that you saw that that, that helped elevate this campaign? Yeah, General Mills, we've been, a, you know, an amazing client of ours for the last 10 years. You know, we've done some great partnerships on, on many of their brands and they're amazing collaboratives. They want to push fantastic work. They have hugely iconic brands. And I think when they came to us with the gushers, street by the throat and street roll-ups, and it's a complete portfolio sort of vision of how they can be. Maybe over the last few decades, they had separated themselves, sort of having different approaches, and maybe different audiences, where actually these brands could run the whole journey of growing up as you work your way through these. And how do we make them more relevant today to consumers? Some of these sort of teens and tweens have some of the most challenging times at the moment, and they're so individual and how, how do we connect to that where i think particularly gushers have gone a little bit weird in the sort of 90s and early 80s with, with inside there and maybe kind of speak to some of the things we kind of loved growing up but not quite relevant for today's audience with, with inside that so you mean american gladiators isn't relevant today <laughs> <laughs> i knew of myself i knew of these brands before i knew, I knew over but i had to do a lot of kind of deep research myself to get in there you know they, they weren't in my sort of school bag as I was, I was going to school in early years and what they kind of meant. And I mean, I've probably spent the last decade really kind of digging into sort of American iconic products that didn't exist in the UK. So I've always loved the opportunity to sort of work on these because I see the passion in my team and the excitement and what it means to them when, when we sort of launch this or when we start the project. But yeah, the whole, the whole strategy was how do we make them and how do we split them up from that sort of younger kind of just becoming into teens and tween teens and getting the slightly older into sort of college age with sort of gushes within inside that because you're spanning a gap of probably like 12 years with inside that and you've got to fit three brands that speak quite definitely and that consumer actually wildly changes within two or three years. You know, what they're into, their influences, how they behave, their confidence level, their it's near aware. Everyone's discovering who they are and what they're into. And, you know, you add so many social political layers on top of that that's going on around them. We want to make sure we remind them to be fun and be, be themselves and make take some of the pressure off that's going on in the outer world. And did you want them to be in, like, the same family, like kind of a family of brands, but then having its individual personality? Is, is the demo you know, tweens in college, or does it roll up to, you know, old, old guys like you and I, like 40s? <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I think Gushers, it's more about getting into college. I think they're never going to say no. We kind of remember the love and we're going to buy them. They're not going to say no, but the the core audience is that sort of just getting into college, particularly with Gushers. And then below that, with the sort of teens, you've got fruit by the foot and fruit roll-ups for the sort of younger audience. And it was trying to find different areas to tap into strategically with them. So 
you think about fruit roll-up, which is this idea of sort of pill to play was a kind of copy line with inside that. Obviously, the, the physical of unwrapping and encouraging to people kind of twist it, rip it, peel it, you know, do whatever you want. You're sort of starting out to decide who you are as a young tween and we're going to encourage that. You know, they've got everyone always loves the little tattoos on your tongue and stuff like that. And where you can start having some individuality. So that encouragement of like, this is a safe space to play. Don't worry about it. You know, develop your own personality as you're sort of going forward. Street by the foot as it get along into the teens is out of your private stress. You get up early for school. You've probably got some afternoon activities. You've got to do your homework and then you still go back and you repeat. So this is about sort of unwinding and taking your time and maybe that sort of Friday or Saturday feeling and being relaxed with your friends that you're getting the first pressures of life hitting you with inside it. And then gushes became particularly interesting because they actually kind of had to age up. And I think normally people shoot a bit young when they sort of design for this age and actually they're more sophisticated. They've got more edge and they've got more attitude hmm. inside that. So how do we age it up and still have this idea of, you know, let the insides out, like who you are, what you're really sort of passionate about and obviously a nice little nod to the, you know, the gush with inside the product itself sort of playing through. But one of the sort of key things was adding black into the brand and the mark with inside that with the uh, added a little bit edge dimension, but we hmm. still keep those key equities but just managed to have some more powerful colors and contrast to hit some of that, you know, older generation who, well, not really older, still going to college, but theory is part of their world. And so what I'm hearing across all three demos is a human insight is just this individuality of people, especially as they're aging up and how you can incorporate that into the brand, even with small design elements like adding black. I think that's fascinating. Any other human insights that you see and then other executions you've seen, was it mainly on the package design or it was this within campaign, I, I would think as well. And, and what campaign assets is it, or is it connected to TV? Or is, and I know you're on the media side, but just maybe give us an idea around kind of the assets and, and kind of the brand rollout. And then the, the third question I have, I know I'm just loading them up, but what is the path to purchase? Is, are the teens buying themselves? Are they telling mom on Instacart, hit this? Or are they going into store and like, I picture like the nine-year-old, like just throwing it in the cart. Like I'd, I'd love to understand kind of the human path to purchase in CPG snacks. Yeah, well, I think I'll tell you reverse order, I guess. So path to purchase probably depends on which brands, you know, the two younger ones are probably more mom doing the shopping or, you know, maybe dad's We're inside that. So like, hey, we want this, we want this, you know, lunchbox, we want this snacks at home. Where gushers might be a bit in between whether, you know, they still live at home or where they've gone to college. So it's a bit of self-purchase as well as can we make sure you load me up when you drop me off for college sort of thing. I need a lot of these. So we're inside that. But I think then the way the brains are activating, I mean, with all of them, we wanted to create amazing assets for it. They can live way beyond packaging and we approached this from a, a brand point of view. It wasn't just the pack. So even the word mark gave me a bit more gush, more dimension with inside there, add, adding the black. But we really wanted to be on this idea of surprise and fun and slightly ridiculous. So in the art direction, you see sort of bold, vivid colors, models. We really want to see interesting kind of makeup, jewelry, clothes. They've got really unique style. They've got some kind of edge to them, sort of really big eye makeup. As we're sort of going through, you know, whether everyone's got bright colored fingernails with inside it and making sure we're capturing sort of all diversity of audiences as well. But you'll, you'll start seeing like such vibrancy and brightness and be big and bold and full of personality all sort of coming through. So it really is reflecting you at your best, your most sort of inside being your most ridiculous with inside that. 
where I think true by the foot when we're talking about being more relaxed. So you see this really kind of wavy, long typography and illustrations that we've built that start playing and sort of a relaxed, winding movement happening. So you're really getting that sort of slow down feel. So we wanted everything in there sort of killer parts to reflect what we're trying to get across in the, the brands. And then finally with fruit roll-ups, you're sort of seeing all these kind of little stickers, these little things you can add to it. So maybe there's a picture, you can put something down. We created kind of apps where you can add a little sticker moment so you can take a picture of yourself. Now, a lot of these things that they would activate through social media, we'd work with influencers with inside that. So really kind of tap into the more digital world, which I think these audiences are, are very much seeing firsthand versus where we might have been a bit more analog in our day. <laughs> of course. All right, so a million other questions I asked you, but I, I told you I'm going to try to keep it tight. I never do. I'm at over 17 minutes. No, this is fun. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to bring you right back. I want to ask a lot more design questions. And I know we're going to dive in some other brands like McDonald's, Colgate, Copperstone. So we're going to bring you back and let, let's, get, let's just get weird in the next episode and just go full on creative and just have fun. I'm going to wrap it up really quick here at the Rebrand Podcast. Big, big thanks to Hamish Campbell, the VP, Executive Creative Director at Pearl Fisher for joining us. In part two of this interview, which I kind of already hinted at, we're going to talk about iconic brands like McDonald's, Colgate, Coppertone. And then let's see where this takes us on, on design elements and human truths. And I love we have a creative director at a high level working at Fortune 500 brands that we can pick your brain. And I'm curious, what, what would our audience ask you? You know, what are the design trends of the future? I, I love this thought we talked about in terms of this individuality that was kind of a human truth that I heard you discovered in these. So all right, audience, if you'd like to learn more about Hamish, you can find his LinkedIn profile on our show notes, like always. If you didn't have a chance to take notes, again, rebrandpod.com. Subscribe to our newsletter, which we haven't published yet because I guess we don't give a shit, but that's okay. We, we're all about the podcast and you guys keep listening. So it's freaking awesome. I appreciate you. If you know someone that needs to be on here, we look at submissions, I think weekly or bi-weekly. We're getting some great, great candidates coming in. I'm super excited. Some, some big time brands, some really, really high profile people with some great stories. So you can find me just anywhere you need. Scott Harkey on pretty much, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, or X or whatever you call it. So here's your, we're in here, but we're just remember it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. 